How's it going, A's fans, and welcome to episode 41 of the Locked On A's podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, noted baseball fan, Jason Burke, and today we got a twofer. Uh, we're going to be talking about Ty Cobb and Tris Speaker on the recurring segment, They Were A's? Um, so yeah, that's going to be fun. Uh, I was going to do them each uh, separately because I found out about them, and uh, I that was kind of the uh, impetus for doing this whole thing. But then I was like, hey, you know what? There's Their paths crossed a little bit. I'll, I'll do them both in one episode. And then uh, if I got a little bit of time, I got some other stuff that is uh, more current, you know, 2020 season related that I can talk about, some speculative stuff uh, that I heard about. And I was like, ah, maybe that would be a thing. Um, so, yeah, we're going to talk about Ty Cobb and Tris Speaker and the, uh, the late 20s, 1920s, uh, Philadelphia A's. But uh, before we get into all that stuff, uh, make sure that you follow us on Twitter at Locked On A's. We are also on Instagram at Locked On A's. I am personally at ByJasonB on Twitter. And then uh, if you got mailbag questions or anything like that, just uh, put in the subject title, uh, mailbag question or other. It doesn't matter. And then uh, you can just uh, send those over to LockedOnAthletics at gmail.com. All right, so let's get into it. Um, I have known that Ty Cobb played for the Philadelphia Athletics for quite a while, uh, but Tris Speaker was a new one to me. That's uh, more of the last few weeks. I was like, oh, that was it. Like when I started thinking up this podcast series idea, I was like, oh, Tris Speaker, I know the name. Let's look up more about him. And in looking stuff up about them, uh, about him, I found stuff about both of them and how they related and uh, some of that stuff. So this is from a Fox Sports News article from uh, 2017. And uh, it just says, following the tw- 1926 season in the aftermath of a near scandal involving accusations that Cobb and fellow future, uh, future Hall of Famer Tris Speaker had engaged in trying to fix a game between the Tigers and Speaker's Cleveland Indians back in 1919, Cobb and Speaker both retired. Uh, both players were found not guilty of the accusations by Commissioner Kennesaw Mountain Landis, but... Cobb, fearing his reputation had been tarnished, hired lawyers to begin an investigation of baseball. Before the effort could get very far, according to Ginsburg, Cobb received a lucrative offer from Philadelphia owner and manager Connie Mack, one of the few men in baseball that Cobb truly admired and respected, and chose to take up Mack on his offer to join the A's. Um, that's most of where you know they they cross right there. Is uh, maybe they fixed a game back in 1919? Who's to say? It sounded like they didn't do it because uh, Kennesaw Mountain Landis was a hard-ass man. And uh, also, Kennesaw Mountain Landis is going to be the name of my firstborn. Don't hold me to that, but I, I love that name. Uh, and whenever I hear that name, I'm like, oh, yeah, the first commissioner of baseball. Got it. Uh, Kennesaw Mountain Landis. Love it. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, so that's where they cross paths. And Cobb, after that, ended up signing a two-year deal to finish out his career with the Philadelphia Athletics. The deal was worth uh, $85,000, which actually at that time was a ton of money. Uh, And that would be for his age 40 and 41 seasons, I believe. Um, So he played both at 1927 and 1928 with Philadelphia. And in that time, uh, in 1927, he played in 133 games. He batted 357 with a 134 OPS plus, so 34% above league average. Uh, And he had a 4.4 wins above replacement. So he was still a pretty damn good player for being 40 years old. Um, and then in 1928, he played in 95 games, but uh, 85 of those were in right field, and then 10 of those were as a pinch hitter. Um, 
Jimmy Fox was 20 years old at this point, and he was starting to come into his own, and he uh, he was playing around the diamond a little bit. Uh, I'll get into that here in a sec. And uh, Jimmy Fox. Actually, no, I'm not going to do that in a sec. I'm going to talk about Jimmy Fox on a, on a separate podcast because uh, he deserves his own podcast. I'm already squeezing two Hall of Famers. I don't need to squeeze a third. Um, so, yeah, 1928, he played 95 games. Uh, this is Ty Cobb. And then he hit uh, 323, and he had a OPS plus of 112. Um, so obviously that 323 batting average is a huge drop-off from his 366 lifetime batting average, uh, which is the best mark of all time. And like I said yesterday with Joe DiMaggio's hit streak, that one's never gone down, folks. So uh, congratulations to the batting average leader of all time, Ty Cobb. You will hold that record for literally ever. Congratulations, I guess. Um, all right. So anyways, uh, Tris Speaker, he would end up signing in February of 1928, and he would play uh, for the Philadelphia Athletics for uh, just the 1928 season, and then he would retire. Uh, they were both over 40 years old at this point, so uh, that's not bad. Also, that 1928 A's team, they had seven Hall of Famers, including the three that I mentioned, and then Lefty Grove and a couple other guys, uh, Eddie Collins was in there, I believe. And then uh, you got Mickey Cochran and Al Simmons in there as well. So they, they were stacked, and this team won a bunch of games. Uh, in 1927, they finished 91-63. and 63. That was still 19 games behind the literal 1927 New York Yankees. So, uh, and, you know, murderers row Yankees level. Um, so they didn't make it to the playoffs because there was only one team that makes the playoffs in each league, and uh, it was not them. They finished 19 games back. In 1928, they got a little bit better and closed the gap a little bit more. Uh, they finished 98 and 55. They were good. That was good enough for uh, two and a half games back of the Yankees. Not the literal 1927 Yankees, but, you know, close. And then uh, then they went on a, a run shortly thereafter with uh, with Jimmy Fox and a bunch of guys. And, uh, yeah, so they did okay. Um Okay, so if you want some spoilers on this Jimmy Fox episode, I just read something uh, a couple days ago on this new newsletter that I signed up for. Uh, I'm doing the four-week free trial. It's uh, baseballpast.net, I believe. Just type in baseballpast uh, newsletter, and you'll see what it is. And uh, I don't know if you can access archives, but it was just the one from Monday, I believe. Um, and they talked about the five-tool first baseman, and it was Jimmy Fox. And it was actually uh, quite fascinating and how he ended up at first base and all that stuff. Um, so he could run, he could field. He, he was legitimately a five-tool first baseman, which is crazy. But that's how stacked that those teams were uh, in Philadelphia in the late 20s, early 30s. So, uh, yeah, that's that. Um, yeah, so Tris Speaker, Ty Cobb, they both played for the Philadelphia Athletics. And... Uh, they didn't quite win a World Series. If they weren't literally facing the 1927 Yankees, they may have. Uh, Trish Speaker actually won one in 1919, no, sorry, 1920, with the uh, Cleveland Indians. And if you listen to our Shoeless Joe Jackson episode, they changed the name from the Cleveland Naps to the Cleveland Indians after the 1914 season, I believe. Um, and then in the, no, yeah, so 1915, they became the Indians. And uh, yeah, so... He was the player manager of the 1920 Cleveland Indians and won their first pennant and first world championship uh, with Joe Speaker at the helm. So that's going to wrap up this first segment uh, going over. They were A's. Um, 
I've gotten a couple of suggestions on Twitter, but if there's an A's player or a baseball player that is very famous, but spent like a little bit of time with the A's, uh, you know, like Frank Thomas, but he was, you know, not Frank Thomas because that was a decade ago, uh, but something similar caliber players that are basically familiar to us, but not for being A's players. One suggestion that I got was uh, Willie McGee, who uh, I remember from 1980s blooper films. Uh, there was like the batting stance guy in that film, but before he was the batting stance guy, I think it was like a uh, VHS tape that my dad got from Sports Illustrated going over like, oh, crazy baseball things. And somebody impersonated his batting stance, and I found it hilarious. So uh, Willie McGee, 1998, Oakland Athletic. Um, he did not do well in the playoffs, according to his baseball reference page. So uh, that's about as much research as I've done on that one, but uh, maybe he shows up a little bit later. If there's a player that you know you hold near and dear to your heart or you watch, you liked watching uh, for any amount of time, uh, go ahead and uh, tweet us, and I will do some research, and maybe we can keep this train rolling. So I'm going to take a quick break real quick, and then uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about Vimeo Machine and some stuff that I heard about him uh, on a different podcast, which will remain unnamed. So I'll get into that in just one minute. Do you hate stepping on the scale? Maybe it's because you haven't found the right one. A company called Withings produced the world's first smart scale, and they are still the best. In fact, Tom's Guide rated Withings Body Plus the best overall smart scale 2020. If you are looking to lose weight, willpower is key, but so is having the right tools. Withings smart scales are known for durability and an exceptional user-friendly design. Step on and data from every way-in syncs automatically to the free app for iOS and Android via Wi-Fi or Bluetooth. Lots of smart scales don't have the Wi-Fi option, and it means you need to have your phone on you. But Withings Body Plus gives weight, full body composition, weight trend, and even a local weather report. The scale can support up to eight users and even know who is who. So here's the deal. You can get 25% off a Withings Body Plus right now at withings.com for a very limited time. Go to withings.com. W-I-T-H-I-N-G-S dot com slash MLB to get 25% off a body plus body composition scale. That's W-I-T-H-I-N-G-S dot com backslash MLB to get 25% off body plus body composition scale. All right, so it's been a really long time since we've talked about the hot button topic from uh, spring training, and that was the second base issue for uh, the Oakland Athletics. Um... When we left, it seemed like Tony Kemp and uh, Frank Lombardo were going to be the two guys. Uh, and I was hoping that Vimy Almachin would become like an official Oakland Athletic uh, so he could be sent to the minors via a trade of some sort, some sort of compensation for the Chicago Cubs uh, because he's a Rule 5 pick. And uh, if he doesn't make the team, then he gets offered a backup to the Cubs and then the A's basically lose Vimy Almachin. Uh, same goes for Frank Lombardo. He's out of options. So uh, if he doesn't make the team, he's on waivers. He's on a different team. Same thing goes with Jorge Mateo. He doesn't make the team. He's on waivers. He's on a different team. So uh, there's a, a lot of you know balls up in the air for sure. And it seemed like Tony Kemp was the guy that was going to make the team. But uh, according to a fantasy baseball podcast from The Athletic that I was listening to, they, uh, they it seemed like they had never heard of Vimy Amachin. But uh, they were all of a sudden like, hey, should we pay attention to him? Does he have a shot? Um, they had read something somewhere um, that Vimy Amachin might actually have a decent shot at being in the second base mix. And uh, they were speculating if that were the case, then it would probably be him and Barreto, which would leave Tony Kemp on the outside, um, 
which seems a little bit odd at first, but if the A's could find some sort of a trade partner for to move Kemp services to a different team, then that would definitely leave the door wide open for Vimy Amachin. And uh, I think part of the reasoning for the speculation was that uh, Machin was a Rule 5 pick, and he would only have to stay on the big league roster for this season to become part of the A's organization officially. Um, and with the season likely being shortened, that would open up the door for, you know, if there, if he only has to be on for 81 games, then you can get a player like Vimy Machin. That'd be great. And you might be able to hide him a little bit better, especially if rosters get expanded, if they're playing more double headers or something like that. Um, granted, those positions will probably go to pitchers because uh, we don't want pitchers getting injured, obviously. Um, but there's still going to be that 26-man roster. So it'd probably be putting a little bit more pressure on Franklin Barreto. And you'd lose a little bit of flexibility with Tony Kemp in the outfield and second base because uh, he can play a little bit all over the place. But I do like this idea a lot, actually, um, because shorter season means uh, it, there's just fewer games that you have to hide them if you are, in fact, going to hide them. And also, I feel like his upside is a little bit higher than Tony Kemp's at this point. And if you can get through half a season with Vami Machine on the roster, and then you can have him in AAA if you need to, or, you know, something like that. Uh, I think his options still hold in place. I think he would still have three options. I'm not positive. Let me check. All right, so I checked roster resource. And uh, sorry for that jump cut. It's going to be, like, very quiet and then yelling in your ears. So sorry about that. Um, so I checked roster resource over at Fangraphs, and he would still have three options, I believe. Um, it says oh, there's a little three next to his name. His name uh, and so I would assume that... If he makes it through this season with the A's, he would have three options left, which would mean that they could use him up and down a little bit more. Uh, he could be more of an injury replacement if they wanted him in that regard. But the biggest thing would be that it would buy them time to really assess what, what kind of a player Vimeo Machin actually is and how he could be valuable to the franchise. Um, and so that's why I, I see a lot of potential in him. In him. Uh, he, so far in the spring, uh, he had 36 plate appearances, Stupid Wanna Creek drivers. Uh, he had 36 plate appearances. Uh, he was hitting 333, and he had six walks and six strikeouts. I like that plate discipline. Uh, he had a 444 on base percentage. Uh, the one downside is the uh, competition that he was facing was a little bit under double A, which is where he had excelled uh, last season. So he hadn't been seeing anything that he hadn't seen before. So I think that the real test of his skills going forward will be how does he adjust to AAA pitching? How does he adjust to major league pitching and go from there? And if they can hide him on the roster and, you know, pick spots where he can be successful and then keep him for, you know, next year and find a spot for him then, uh, then he becomes very valuable because he'll have a little bit of major league experience. You can use him in AAA to get him up to speed for half a season if you need to. And then, uh, you know, the, there's something about uh, guys that don't strike out that much and that also walk a decent amount. And that six and six is, uh, you know, small sample size, but it tracks with what he, what he was doing in the minors so far. So I like uh, his back control and his approach at the plate and his plate discipline. So I'm high on Vimeo Machine. Uh, Tony Kemp was a very similar player. Um, he had 34 plate appearances in spring training. He was batting 345. He had four walks and five strikeouts. And he had a 412 on base percentage. So his batting average was 12 points higher, but his on base percentage was uh, 32 points lower. He was facing uh, actually double A pitching, 
so a little bit higher than just slightly below. But, uh, you know, it was similar opposition, uh, throwing them baseballs for them to, you know, just cream and whatnot. So uh, Tony Kemp has a little more speed. Um, it sounds like Machine has a decent glove at second base, but we'll see. Um, so that was some speculation that I wanted to pass along for you guys. And, uh, you know, keep it a little bit current while we, you know, also go backwards in time and talk about they were A's. Uh, I still like saying that. Maybe it'll get tiresome after a couple more days, but uh, for now, I enjoy it. Um, so I'm going to call it an episode right there. Um, please follow us on social media at Locked On A's. That is at both uh, Twitter and Instagram. And then uh, me personally at ByJasonB. That is just on Twitter. And then uh, you can email us as well at LockedOnAthletics at gmail.com. So be sure to tweet us and let us know, uh, let me know uh, what players you want me to talk about in the future. And uh, I'll do some research on those guys and uh, get that going for you guys. So in the meantime, stay indoors and celebrate good times, Oakland. And I will talk with you guys tomorrow.